Hello, dear ones, and welcome to the Amazing Way podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Beth Reese, mother of three awesome kids and founder of Yoginos Yoga for Youth. Listen and share this podcast. Hope you enjoy. When I was six years old and started hurling chairs at my mom, Dr. Beth Reese, in the dining court of the Salt Lake City Airport, she knew something was up. Hi, this is Jordan, and I'm one of her three awesome kids. Soon after that day at the airport, my mom learned that her daughter, me, had sensory processing disorder considered by many to be a spectrum disorder. My mom spent years searching and researching for tools to help me pause, center myself, create who I really am, and then press play. Thus, she developed Flower Power Breath, which I still use to this day in college, and she also found a passion for helping others find their way through the means of yoga. The Amazing Way podcast synthesizes over two decades of my mom's work, bringing mindfulness, mental hygiene, and yoga on and off the mat to teachers, parents, and families in homes, classrooms, schools, and beyond. This podcast offers practical ideas and tools for integrating research-based self-regulation tools into daily life. Take it from me, you want to check this podcast out. Yeah, baby. Hi, welcome to the Oh Amazing Way podcast. My name is Beth Reese. I'm the creator, producer, and host, and I am uh, I'm really excited to be back in back in the studio. I recently attended my first seven-day silent retreat, and in fact, this is like a kind of a special edition of the podcast when I hadn't anticipated um, creating, hosting, being kind of the host and the guest. And so many people sent me messages, left me messages, uh, requests to learn more about what it was like to be on a seven-day silent retreat. And so I decided to create an episode. Um, even my own kids here were like, mom, like it's obvious, you know, could have had, could have had a podcast about uh, being on a retreat. So I'm going to spend today sharing um, a couple different parts. What I'd like to do, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for already the feedback I've been getting about this podcast and how, how, the, how the ideas, the content, the ways of being are impacting your lives. And please keep those comments coming as well as questions. And we are, um, myself and the people assisting me with the podcast, we're starting to pull together your questions and comments and we'll be starting to share those as we continue. So thank you. And how you can um, get a hold of me on Facebook through Messenger, either at Beth Reese um, or Yoginos Yoga for Youth. And then my email, info at yoginos.com. So in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to go over uh, the first half, logistics, about uh, kind of what it's like day to day being on a seven-day silent retreat, as well as you know, in the space of finding love and action, right? Like, what's that about? Woo. Um, I'll be sharing a bit about what I found. And specifically, I um, will do that through my acknowledgement of the completely over the moon, amazing leaders. We'll take a break. And in the second half, we're going to get on the court. And I want to share with you something that came to me during the retreat. And I've been playing with it since then. I call it mindful time. T-I-M-E. Each of those letters stand for something. 
Um, so stay with me and you will have practice you can take with you. Um, right now, let's go ahead and take a minute and get centered here and drop in together so that we can be here in the moment. Put aside whatever spilt milk has already happened in your day and join me right here, right now in the moments of this podcast. So I'm going to ask you to do is however your being is right now. And if you can softly close your eyes, great. And just really get what it is, how you're being right now. So if you're sitting, really get that you're sitting. Even soften into that chair and that ground. Now I'm softly closing my eyes. You can do that as well. If you're driving, please don't do that. If you're driving, like really get that you're driving. If you're washing the dishes, if you're walking, if you're sitting on your porch, whatever it is you're doing, really drop in and notice what it is you're doing and how you're being. Remembering that we're, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And take your mind's eye to where your body is connected to the ground, whether that's your feet, the backs of your thighs and your buttocks, or maybe you're reclined, laying down. And on our next exhalation, just exhale and let your body, let the body soften into the ground. So if you're sitting, know that you're sitting. If you're standing, know that you're standing. And be that. And be that in this moment. In this moment. Our body is a great anchor. It's, rumor has it, it's always with us. Scan your body and notice what emotions are present and where they're present. Notice any sensations in the feet and legs. Come aware of the belly and the chest and notice if there's any sensation happening there. I know for me and for many of us, when we feel certain emotions, they tend to arise and become present in the belly and chest and throat. I sense for me, there's a sort of quiet hum in my belly, excitement being here with you again. And then as one of the retreat leaders, Leslie Booker once said, and then there's a face and we all have a face. 
How's your face being? Is it possible to create that half smile, gently allowing the corners of your mouth to move up to the sun? And with each exhalation, let your body just soften a little more to the earth. Returning to the being of the body, if you're sitting, know that you're sitting. If you're standing, know that you're standing. If you're walking, doing dishes, driving, whatever you're doing, be with that. As you're ready, softly flutter your eyes open. Ah. And if you're hosting a podcast and the guest, know that that's what you're doing, right? Many of you know I am participating in the Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program through UCAL Berkeley or with UC Berkeley um, and their Greater Good Science Center and Sounds True. Uh, the key leaders are Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, and then there's a huge support team behind them. And one of the prerequisites of this two-year certification program is to complete a seven to ten day silent retreat. And so I just completed mine, and it was a silent insight meditation retreat. And insight refers to um, this concept of using Vipassana meditation, um, or a kind of meditation to really generate clear thinking. And what I want you to know is that is part of my commitment of my being in my life is to have really clear thinking as many moments as possible. And as I'm making decisions and creating myself and how I'm going to express myself in the world. Now, how I, what I became aware of at some point in my life is that you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive, I'm an empath, I have a lot of emotions, and I became aware at some point in my adult life that there were a lot of times when my emotions were running the game, they were calling the show. And so I really started to look for ways that I could, and I thought it would be like I could control my emotions. And what I've learned is it's really more about learning to dance with them, invite them to tea, and do some things to get clear-minded so that my decisions could be through that lens of clarity and not through the lens of anger or frustration or sadness or happiness or grasping something and just clear thinking like based on reality, crazy. Okay, so on this uh, silent retreat, um, it was for seven days. So it started, uh, we arrived in Estes Park, Colorado. We arrived on a Friday, got all checked in, had dinner. There was an evening session. And then at that evening session is when we went into what's called noble silence. Now, what I loved is, so we were asked, you know, really no talking, no reading, really no journaling. Um, we were able, if we wanted to, to take notes at some of the talks, but we were asked to, to not be like journaling, ruminating about our thoughts and experiences. 
again, as much as possible to really drop in and be in every moment as much as possible. Um, so this was kind of like, you know, a basketball team, you know, practicing and getting ready for the playoffs. Um, you guys know I love basketball. That didn't change. This was like a really serious like training camp for mindfulness. So then as we went into noble silence, it became, you know, like I said, no talking, no reading, no writing, just really being with ourselves. And then with that, we are also coached, right? Like, don't be a jerk about it. I think that's what the leader, uh, Don, said. We were in a space at uh, the YMCA in Estes Park where there were other people there. So it wasn't a silent retreat center. Um, so if somebody needed, you know, help, a, a stranger was asking for directions, you know, to not be a jerk and be like, ah, I'm silent, but like you could, you know, still be gracious in that way. Um, also no eye contact. And uh, so that was a little bit about that silence. There, uh, we were given baggies uh, with our name on them to put our phones in or our computers in. And Saturday, so we started Noble Silence Friday, and Saturday, we, there was kind of a ceremony to turn our phones in. And so with the ceremony of turning our phones in, um, we kind of got into lines. And I should say there were almost 200 participants right? Practicing. Amazing. So we lined up and every person that put a phone in the, the basket, if you will, one of the leaders rang a bell. Now, this moment actually became, I really drew up a lot of emotion. And part of what was there for me and really started to sink in that very first day was this just awareness of like divine love, right? Like big worldly, big picture love, big container of love. And, um, and what showed up for me Saturday at breakfast and again during the ceremony to turn in our phones was if there are two, almost 200 people in this program, in this space, uh, meta doing this silent meditation retreat, how many people are behind each of us there and supporting us? holding us up so that we could be at this retreat. You know, for me, especially my three kids, um, their other parents, their dad and his wife, my friends, that sort of thing, right? So imagining all those people behind each of us, like doing what it took so that we could be there. My dog sitter. So I really became um, quite moved and touched that here we were all turning in our devices and these people were in our lives willing two-way street if you will of that we were being willing to step away from constant communication and all the people in our lives that were willing to let us go in that way so it was really quite remarkable and i have to say um so i've been home for almost I guess about five days and I'm still uh, not like it's even a little bit weird right now to have like, you know, my ring light, the camera, my computer, the microphone. It feels, I mean, I'm noticing um, some body sensations right now that's like, wow, there's like so much technology around me right now. Um, and of course, the great thing is we can use technology in ways that are amazing and positive and to connect more deeply. And then um, as we were also coached going, um, back into uh, some of the last sessions as we were going back out, you know, into the wild, uh, to our, into our lives, 
you know, how then can we use technology to, um, in a really mindful way, to really deepen connections, not just as a tool to be distracted, to, um, to disassociate or dis dis disconnect from our lives or what's going on in our lives, right? So the schedule. What did it, what does the retreat look like day to day? Now, I imagine most seven to 10 day, 30 day, three month uh, retreats are all a little bit different. And so of course I'll be sharing based on my experience. Now in the uh, uh, Vipassana, in this uh, retreat style, um, I have heard some variations. And so, so I'm thinking what I'm gonna say is perhaps a more traditional um, silent retreat is often you're asked to really only do sitting meditation, maybe some walking meditation. People shared stories with me that sometimes people are coming around and like, hey, sit up, sit up. Um, and that was not at all um, my experience. In fact, one of the things I loved and feel so strongly about the experience I just had is it was just like, just like encompassing, like so much loving kindness, really about restoring yourself, taking care of yourself, just really amazing. So um, I'm going to, I'll read you the schedule. I know that the first time I read it, I bust out laughing because I thought, oh my gosh, no way. So um, pretty much what we did from a Saturday through a Thursday was um, at 6.30 a.m. was silent meditation until 7.15 a.m. Then was breakfast. At 9 o'clock was a guided sitting meditation. 10 o'clock, walking meditation. 10.45, silent sitting meditation. And then there were also some affinity groups that were able to have a silent meditation and specifically um, people of color and the LGBTQI community was able to have a, uh, uh, their own sitting meditation. Um, so then again, that would have been 1045 to 1130 and then walking meditation or yoga. Now that was something I was really excited about that we did have a, you know, time to do some simple movement that 11.30 to noon slot was a guided yoga moving time. There was a space dedicated to where you could go in and do some movement. Um, you know, so much of what shows up um, as emotion really starts off showing up in the body. So to be able to have that time to either get on your mat or walk or be to really let, the, let it move through you was hugely powerful for me and I think for many. All right, so by 12.15, we are at lunch. And in this case, our lunch, we did have a vegetarian option, which I did choose to do, and I have remained a vegetarian. And um, I do believe I will be looking to create a plant-based eating option for me and my kids, and just really noticing just how I, I feel differently and better with that. So that seems to be working for me. All right, so maybe you kind of get the picture. It's basically silent. So then after lunch, we had kind of a break. And then at 2.15, silent meditation, three o'clock walking meditation or yoga. 3.45, silent meditation, 4.30 walking meditation. Five o'clock, Dharma talk. And these were, by the way, over the moon fantastic. Um, our retreat leaders were just crazy fantastic and um, really did a beautiful job of bringing in 
um, philosophy and some ancient belief systems and then grounding them in their own lives, their own experiences. And then by the way, flipping hilarious. I mean, I, I laughed, laughed so hard with so many of their sharing. So beautiful. So five to six o'clock, this kind of Dharma talk, uh, six o'clock meal, 7.30 guided loving kindness practice, 8.15 walking meditation, 8.45 silent sitting meditation, 9.15, 8.45 was silent meditation and chanting, and then 9.15 rest or continued practice. So essentially from 6.30 a.m. until 9.15 p.m., so if we just call it 9.30 p.m., during that whole time span, which is something like nine hours, we were invited to be doing some form of meditation pretty much consistently. So whether that was right sitting, walking, even as we transitioned from sitting to walking or sitting to going to the restroom or and then eating, um, cleaning up our plates, you know, scraping the, the food into the container, walking through the dining room. Um, all of it, we were asked to be really present. Practice that I, I started off leading today with, like sit and know you're sitting. So it's even like now that I'm home, I'm like, I'm making my bed. Know that you're making the bed. I'm noticing the textures of the blankets, the textures of the sheets, maybe really looking at the patterning of my sheet and quilt in a way that I hadn't before. And again, it's, and it's not that it would be wrong for while I'm making my bed to be thinking about my to-do list, right? To be shifting into thinking, thinking, planning, planning. It isn't that it's wrong. It's that I am choosing to build a muscle, right? So if you're listening, I'm like pretending I'm lifting like a weight with, to build my boss up. It's just that I'm choosing to build the muscle of being, having clear thinking, of being in the moment and being aware. And um, so I'm I'm just practicing, again, ways of doing that. And again, I'll I'll take you on the court with some of the ways that uh, have been really profound changing for me. So it may sound to you like this schedule, I'm holding this up here, um, is a little crazy. And like I said, when I first, when it was emailed and I first read it, I busted out laughing and I thought, oh my goodness, what am I in for? And um, for me, um, I did uh, sort of what I would call train for this. I have been, so I've been doing sitting meditation for about four years. Um, I started off with 10 minutes a day with the Headspace app. And now I do various apps. My two go-tos right now are Insight and 10% Happier. And then I would say, uh, but that practice, in addition to the 10 minutes, maybe in the morning, usually in the morning, um, that I started off with four years ago, then as I noticed during the day, if I felt like like my I was ruminating or my, sometimes what we call like in a trance, that I was like, you know, couldn't stop thinking about something, um, or maybe couldn't stop thinking about spilt milk from yesterday, I would stop and drop in for a few minutes. Um, and a practice I developed when I was head of a school was called, I called threshold mindfulness. And anytime I walked out of a, in and out of a doorway, I would take, you know, five seconds to check my body, thoughts, feelings, moods, uh, and just check in and see 
who was I about to be as I walked into a classroom, as I met with a parent, as I returned to work on a budget? So this threshold mindfulness, so I've, I've got pretty skilled at doing some very quick things. And then what I noticed when I started my mindful meditation program in February, I chose to increase, and then knowing I was doing this seven day silent retreat, I, um, at that, so for the last four months, I have um, meditated for every morning, pretty much without fail, even if I'm traveling, I just carve out that time, um, about 20, 20 to 30 minutes every morning. So I do feel like I train to sit, and that's not to say I will say the first three days, it was almost surprising how exhausting it was to, to be meditating and sitting for most of the day. Um, I did feel agitation on the third day. And at that point, um, you know, I have a vision that one day I'll move to Colorado or Utah and live in the mountains and, um, and it snowed. So it's May and it was snowing in Colorado and I was prepared for it, but I just happened to get really cold on this one day. It was, it was the Monday. And I remember thinking like, I'm not moving to Colorado. Who would want to map my, you know, it really just like in that trance of like negativity and then I caught it and I started laughing to myself and I thought, all right, you know, all you are is agitated. That's all. So can you just be with it? Can you just invite agitation to tea? And that's it. Just let it be here. And again, one of the things I've learned over and over again is the moment I invite the emotion for tea and stop resisting it. I mean, I think so many of us grow up where it's like, Oh, don't feel that way. Maybe we say it or we hear it, you know, growing up or we say it to kids innocently. Like we want, we want to take away their pain. So it's like, oh, don't feel that way. Or, oh, kind of just really disempowering them, disempowering ourselves just to feel how we feel. And I find the more quickly I accept it instead of resist it, like really what we resist persists. Holy moly, I'm really getting that. All right, so that is a little bit about um, that daily schedule. And what I'd like to do now is share with you a little bit about the retreat leaders and some of the gifts I received. Now, before I go into that, part of what I wanna say is finding love and action on silent retreat. So different ways that I found love. When people ask me about the retreat, first of all, it's like it was profound. And second of all, what I discovered um, was this very, um, what I would call a very amazing form of divine love. And really what I got was how much I am loved. Now that may seem sort of like obvious and uh, um, like, of course people are loved. Of course we're loved. Of course I am loved. And but what I really saw for myself was probably at some point as a kid, like nothing major, but something came up where I felt like I needed to protect myself maybe from, and I'm not even sure what, but that's just what I'm hunching is um, from disappointment or from a sense that maybe I wasn't loved somehow, some way. So I think I created this sort of veil of protection. And so part of what that veil has done is, is maybe kept me safe in some ways. But part of what I got on the retreat was that this veil has kept me from receiving all of the love that is there for me to receive. 
So as I'm starting to see this, uh, it was amazing and just like mind blowing. And, and then I went into a space where these waves of emotion would come that were really based in grief. Like, wow, what, what I have missed, like even with my kids by not getting their love for me, what I miss by not getting how much my mom loves me, like really loves me, my friends. And it was, it was intense. Like there would be moments when these emotional waves would come that could like bring me to my knees. And so I would allow them to be there, right? Come have tea and be with them. And then if they got like too much, too intense, I would like kind of, and we were coached about this, maybe open my eyes a little bit or kind of move back from it and then know that I could always come back to that emotion. And it really helped clear out some cobwebs. And um, so, yeah, this idea of, of just a really um, just intense form of love, which I think is also right now, or not I think, maybe rigorous with my language, um, I can see as part of my choice to develop a plant-based eating in that part of this love is love for all things on the planet, um, including animals and other creatures. So just a little bit about there. So I'm going to share with you a little about these oh amazing retreat leaders and the gifts that I received from them. And um, all right, so one of the retreat leaders, James Baraz, who is one of the co-founders of Spirit Rock Center out in the Bay Area in California. And while I have heard it before, he often led his meditations with that idea of if you're sitting, know you're sitting. And that really, really get connected to my body very quickly in that sitting place. What I also love that James gave, again, life-changing, two things. One is um, begin again. That at any moment, you just begin again. Begin um, the middle of a meditation. Um, if your mind has wandered, we'll start right now. Begin again. Begin right now. Your meditation begins right now. And also thinking out in my life, um, in our lives, think about um, how many moments we can find ourselves ruminating on the past. Maybe we make a mistake and we want to like go into a trance and like really like spend a lot of time in that mistake. Or we could just say, you know what, I'm going to begin again. Consider it's possible that every breath is an opportunity to begin again. One of the other things I love uh, that James shared was like, look, at the end of a meditation, there's no grade. There's no good. There's no bad. Your meditation, your time, your mindful time, it is what it is and it is what it isn't. And then I found for me, like by the fourth, fifth day after sitting meditation, I didn't necessarily want to get up and walk. Like I wanted to sit longer. And he would say like, if you want to sit longer, that's fine. And it doesn't make you a better meditator for wanting to sit longer, right? So I think maybe sometimes we want, we want to look good or avoid looking bad, right? So he was really gracious. Um, in that. And then I definitely am intrigued with his work on awakening joy and um, really cultivating that part of our lives. So James Baraz, uh, you are amazing. Hoping to have you on the podcast. All right, Conda Mason, this woman, um, wise sage, I uh, just, and funny, oh my gosh. 
think the first night she presented and she sat, instead of a chair, she sat on the edge of the stage and she was like, yeah, I just keep finding myself sitting on the edge. I guess that's kind of how I encounter life, right? So great. So part of her sage wisdom she shared was actually something from um, that her mom shared with her. And I think she said she had four siblings. And what that phrase is, is what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. If what's yours was supposed to be mine, it would be mine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So think about that. And you can think about that. Think about how that might work with kids, right? Like two kids, you know, arguing over a Tonka toy. And keeping in mind even that like when you're really young, before the age of like five, you conceptually, cognitively don't do sharing. That is not, that's like asking a four-year-old to do trigonometry, right? Like we can take turns, but like that concept of sharing, right? Like, yes, it's important to share. I'm not saying it's not, but there's also honoring what's yours is yours, what's mine is mine. If what's yours was meant to be mine, it would be mine. Now, think about that concept in terms of being an adult and maybe going through things in life or maybe when, you know, you see, you know, maybe your, your friend um, has this new partner and is so excited or got a great raise at work and, and maybe so maybe envy or, you know, grasping is coming up and maybe instead of grasping for what someone else has to get that, I have what I have because that's what, I, what's, that's what I'm supposed to have. So really kind of a cool concept to ponder. So that's uh, one of the gifts I got from Conda Mason. Okay, Leslie Booker, who goes by Booker. Okay, badass. Um, I totally can't wait to connect with her. And she's over on the East Coast, lives in New York, and then does a lot of traveling up and down um, that. She, one of her quotes um, that I love that she said is that it is a joyful responsibility to make a difference in the world. And part of her message is really about looking at that this mindful meditation practice is yes, it is about you know, finding peace within yourself and becoming grounded and clear thinking for yourself, but it isn't just about yourself really looking to see what can you do in the world to help work with suffering and joy and compassion and empathy out in the world, taking these tools, bringing them out. Like these tools were not meant to sit in, um, you know, it was brought up a couple of times. Like these are not meant for, you know, a bunch of rich white people. Like let's just, I'm just going to say it. So what is going to be with, with like, so my working of these tools, what am I going to do now that I'm, you know, building this mindful muscle? What, how am I going to express that in the world? And I have some thoughts on that. And I also feel like Yoginyo Zoga for Youth, bringing yoga to kids, teachers, and families, that is part of my truth. That is part of how I am expressing this in the world. And then there certainly can be expansion on that. I also love that Booker talked about uh, Sangha, about community, about having people around you that support you, having, just doing what you can to take care of yourself. And she mentioned even like her, like, you know, the, the grocery delivery people. That's like part of her sangha. And I love that. Um, for Mother's Day, I bought myself one of those robot sweeper things that like sweeps and mops. 
I named it Alvin. Um, oh my gosh. And Alvin, I'm like, Alvin, you were such an important part of my song, hot, right? So like even today, before I went outside to do my um, morning sound meditation, I set Alvin up to mop my, you know, back here in the office. All right. So Booker, you are awesome. And she led a loving kindness meditation and talked about taking that loving kindness and letting it radiate outside of you. And I had some very profound experiences with that and energy around that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Salwazi Johnson, big bear of like loving kindness and hilarious. And he led a uh, kind of a mindful movement one day and my lower back, like whatever tension I've been holding in there for years, like dissolved. And I was like, whoa, where'd that go? So great. A quote that I love of his, the stuff that gets in our way, but that has the potential to be the vehicle to freedom. Okay, so there's this stuff that gets in our way, but if we can, so maybe it's anger or aversion or grasping or greed or envy, but if we can catch it, when we catch it, and be with it and see what it has to tell us, it can be our vehicle to freedom. And one of the beautiful stories he talked about um, was a meditative experience he had and then really just getting the profound kindness that um, a monk and abbot showed him. And his quote about that was, I began to trust the power of kindness. And really think about that. If we can, you know, think about in your own life, see the kindness of the people at someone at the grocery store the kindness of um, your Uber driver and really being with that and really allowing that to see the power of kindness can be very transformative. So Solwazi, uh, he's out in Denver. Um, he has a Sangha, a community in a prison and um, really appreciate your work. Thank you. All right, Don Mauricio, and Don was my mentor leader. We had uh, mentor groups, and we met twice for one hour, so there was that little break in noble silence. And Don is just, I believe, from Toronto, and this just bubbling, joyful um, being. So some things that she said that really were beautiful, these really simple, mundane moments, don't let them go. So by that, to notice these like quiet moments, you know, maybe we're looking for all these moments of like, like hours of peace or a certain, we're just grasping a certain kind of something. But what about these beautiful moments of contentment? Like, can we just drop in and like notice them and honor those? Right. Also, when we pay attention to our emotions, they no longer drive the show. And that may seem counterintuitive, right? If I am sad or angry, and um, I know for me, my tendency is like, I don't want to be sad. I don't be angry. I'm this like happy, lucky, you know, like, you know, running around all about love and peace. So I don't do, I don't do anger. Well, of course I do. Of course it shows up. And the more I push it away, the more it stays with me, right? 
But as soon as I invite it to come sit and have tea and I check it out, it's like anger, what's up? What you got? You know, and not to dwell in it and not to like let let it, you know, sort of take over in the trance of thought and ruminating, but like just to be there and ask about it really makes a difference. So again, that when we when we pay attention to our emotions, they no longer drive the show. So Don also has some great ideas around technology and how you know our beautiful phones, how we can use them to disconnect, disassociate, to distract ourselves, or we can use them to connect more deeply. So every time I pick up my phone and one of her suggestions is, here's this black screen, right? And I look at the black screen and I think, is what I'm about to do distraction or am I seeking to deepen my connection? And right now for me, if it's about distraction, I'm putting the phone away. I'm also keeping the, not keeping the phone on me or near me all the time. Um, so those, those are some suggestions they had that I'm really taking on. Okay, oh my gosh, hilarious person, La Sarmiento. La is just this amazing, hilarious, songwriting, just force, just beautiful, loving force. And what I wrote down here is let's play. Let's play to the idea that mindful meditation doesn't have to be serious and somber and all about suffering, that it can be joyful and playful. And La one day led a, the talk about the Vednas which are feeling tones, and a way to identify that uh, your thoughts and your feelings as either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And La instructed us to make it kind of a game like Fruit Ninja, so that every time like a feeling showed up, that we could like slice it as like pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and to just make it fun and playful. La shared a story um, that I'm hoping she'll come on here and share uh, or share another story. And it was so, so moving um, about her life and her experiences. And, um, and I think that's one thing I got with all of the leaders is how authentic and raw they were willing to be. Um, it was unexpected and it was one of the most beautiful elements um, and threads that wove through the retreat was the deep, authentic sharing. So thank you, La. All right, so next, Sebene Selassie. Uh, she, I've already found her on 10% Happier, uh, the meditation app. One of the things she said that I love, transformation comes from acceptance to be open to what's here. It's not somewhere else. So transformation comes from acceptance of what's here. It's not somewhere else, right? So sometimes we think about we need to change ourselves and we need to be better at this and we need to go do that. Uh, 7A considers herself a Dharma nerd, also hilarious. And one of the, um, I love, she shared one of the practices she's been really involved with lately. This is a direct quote. She's been very focused on the practice. And as she said in Pali, uh, that word used is men, oh, pause. Ta! And I love that. I am someone on the other side of menopause and um, really getting that how 
learning to be in all the changes, right? Like my body is changing, um, things are moving, uh, and it's and it's really a practice in being grounded and steady with what's so and having that, you know, love and compassion for the self and riding the wave of how the female body changes based on, you know, changes in our lives, right? So I love that, you know, I've been stu- really practicing studying something deeply for many years and in Pali that's called menopause. I love that she said, if we think that we are at the top of the mountain, it's possibly not the top of the mountain. So that if we think we're at the top of the mountain, like, oh, I've just mastered this, we're probably not at the top of the mountain. So, so great. All right, so so that is a bit about uh, this retreat, the seven-day silent insight meditation retreat that I've completed and about these beautiful leaders. And um, in the show notes, I will include their, probably their Facebook links, so how you can find them. Each of them offer their own beautiful programs around the country, and I definitely, um, as an honor to them, would like for people to be able to find them. And um, all right, so we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, I want to share a little bit more about how I found love and action on a seven-day retreat, silent retreat, and a little bit about a tool I'm developing and working with called Mindful Time, T-I-M-E. All right. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Interested in learning more about making good choices for yourself, others, and the universe on and off the yoga mat? Hi, this is Grace, one of Beth's awesome kids. And I want you to know that my mom's resources and programs with Yoginos, Yoga for Youth, have your back. Be amazing and check out the trainings, award-winning bilingual resources, licensee program, and one-on-one coaching opportunities with my mom, Beth at yoginos.com. That's Y-O-G-I-N-O-S.com. Now back to you, Mom. Welcome back to the Oh Amazing Way podcast. My name is Beth Reese. I am the creator, producer, host, and today the guest of the podcast. I'm sharing about my recent experience on a seven-day insight silent meditation retreat. And again, one of the things that I found such a happy surprise on this retreat was um, or were the conversations around taking what we were learning and getting it's not just consumption for ourselves and it's to be shared, um, shared with every human being, the possibility of that. And also how are we going to take this work and create action in the world? So what I want to do share with you in the second half is something that came to me while I was there and I'm calling it mindful time. T-I-M-E. The T stands for thought or trance. So it's first of all noticing. So we, we have these thoughts and thoughts that might move by us like a cloud or we might have a thought that comes and sits over us like a really dark thundercloud. Our thought could be could be pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, just noticing that it's a thought. So thought and then trance to me is starts getting into when I start down a rabbit hole. Again, could be pleasant or unpleasant. So I'll go ahead and give you an example of that. So when this first came to me, and again, this is in the, in the context of I am committed in seeking clarity of mind in as many moments in my life as possible. 
All right, so I'm sitting at breakfast one morning and I notice um, I'm eating oatmeal. And as I'm eating oatmeal, I think of my oldest daughter, Jordan. So there's the thought, Jordan. Okay, then I start going in a rabbit hole. Oh my gosh, when Jordan was little, she really liked oatmeal. And I remember when we used to travel, I say oatmeal, right? Rabbit hole. And get it, right? It, it was a pleasant rabbit hole. But there my mind started going. And the minute it starts spiraling in this rabbit hole and going, you know, into memory lane, I'm no longer in the present. I'm, I'm no longer clear thinking in this moment, right? So that's the T, thought of time. T, thought or trance. All right, the I in time is invite, invite it. And, and by that, it's like, like, oh, thought, there you are, okay. Now I'm not, just come, like, come sit and have tea with me. And by that, it's like, I'm not necessarily going to like go down the rabbit hole with you. So it's a way to not resist it, right? So invite it to tea. Now the M for time, I have mine, mine, the body. Is there anything showing up in the body, an emotion, a feeling, a sensation? Um, sometimes if it's an unpleasant thought, um, we can feel pressure, tightness in our stomach, our chest, our throat. Definitely for me that happens. So mining what's, what's there, what's behind it. Um, mining it, the emotion that's behind it. And maybe mining also the message. What does this thought have to tell me? Okay, so going back to this example, so Jordan, oatmeal, ram, going down the spiral hole of this memory, but I invited it to tea. Ah, okay, here I am. I'm having this, all these thoughts. So I'm not making myself wrong, right? So I've left the present, but I'm not making myself wrong. So that's part of the inviting it. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about Jordan. So now I'm going to mine the emotion. What is the emotion I have around Jordan eating oatmeal and all these memories? And for me, what that was, was love. Love of my daughter and then of my kids. So, and this was all happening in a matter of seconds, right? So then it's like, oh, so I just sat with that emotion of like love. And at that point, I am in the present. I'm in the present so aware of this emotion, this sensation in my body, like just wanting like to hug her and call her. Of course, I couldn't call her. I didn't have my phone. Um, and then the last part um, of time, the E, is like to experience what there is to experience about it. And that is what helps us be in the present. Now, and sometimes we don't want to, either we don't want to experience an emotion or it's too much at that time. And we really... We really get to be responsible for how we do that. And we can kind of titrate in and out of an emotion. So if an emotion is very strong and upsetting, we might say, eh, I'm only going to experience this so much right now. And of course, there are experiences that we have that can be really helpful to work out with a professional therapist, right? Um, so I, I definitely want to be open and honest about that. And also with the E, we can say and exhale it. So T, thought or trance, I invite it to T, M is mine, mine what's going on in the body, mine the message behind that thought, E, experience it and exhale it. Okay, so again, T, Jordan Oatmeal, spiral down memory lane, I'm, I, I catch it, 
I recognize I'm not present. Invite it for tea. Okay, nothing wrong, nothing wrong that I left the present. Come here for tea, I'm gonna mine it. What's showing up in my body around Jordan? What's the emotion around Jordan? Oh, it's love. Oh my gosh, I'm now feeling all this love. Wow, I'm going to E, experience it. And then when I'm ready, I exhale it. And then I keep eating my oatmeal. All right. And really, this is what often, um, what I've been doing with this is using it in, just using it on the go, right? And that's part of the problem and challenge we can see in our lives is that when we just stuff things and don't deal with them, they start to get lodged in our body and they're going to come out somehow. So is it going to be like somebody leaves a sock on the floor and we flip out, right? Or are we going to create the space to experience what there is to experience. So mindful time, um, and it'll be in the show notes. And um, so play with that. And I hope, I hope it's useful for you. So here's something to consider with mindful time. And it's a quote from Rumi. Why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Yeah, so... We use mindful time because the, our opportunity to be liberated and free, the door is wide open to us. We don't have to stay in the prison of our suffering and our discomfort. We take mindful time, the door is right there, right? It's ours, it's ours to have peace, health, happiness, freedom, liberation, freedom from suffering. Yeah, so try out mindful time. Let me know if you have any questions, how it goes, and we'll keep a conversation around that. Well, all right, my friends, I have so enjoyed being with you here today on the Oh Amazing Way podcast. Um, as always, you can reach me at info at yoginos.com. We have trainings, resources, Lots of great programs and some new programs getting ready to kick off this summer. So today I want to end to say may all beings, may all beings be happy and free and may my thoughts, words, and actions contribute in some way. Thank you. Thank you for joining my mom and her guests on The Oh Amazing Way. Hi, this is Cole, Beth's son. And for more information on bringing mental hygiene or mindfulness, yoga on and off the mat, her award-winning bilingual resources, and other programs into your home and school, check out yoginos.com. Be sure to share this podcast, and remember, you are oh amazing. amazing.